impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show on the internet for growing your reach, reaching millions of people. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics. It's something that everybody thinks is dead. We're talking about emails, specifically daily emails, newsletters, how to reach out to people. I have the OG of daily email writing. Ben Settle with me. Ben is amazing. If you have not been on his list, you need to go to bensettle.com. It's listed in the show notes. Get on his email list because it is solid gold. Ben, welcome to the show. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a funny thing you're talking about. Everybody says email's dead. And I, I got to tell you, I know people at very high levels of marketing who have a lot of people on their list tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions and i keep hearing that like they're oh man i can't get anything sold i can't i'm just not having that problem so i must be doing something right because these guys are all freaking out and i think it is that for some people <laughs> i don't know but maybe we can help it so that your listeners they, they can we can breathe some life back into their email if nothing else absolutely um one of, I mean, the people who say email is dead, I think it's because they're writing sales, like not sales emails the way you would write them or the way I would try to write them, but they're just writing like, buy my shit, buy my shit. Like, yeah. of course, nobody's going to open or read. Like you have to be entertaining. You have to connect with people. You have to give value. I was dating this girl that was, she had a, what she called a boutique life coaching business. She had two clients. Oh, and she, <laughs> she said, fun, uh, experience for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. This was, this was four years ago. And oh, she, she was like, I don't want to email. I don't want to annoy anyone with my emails. I said, well, how often are you emailing? This was on our first date. Um, oh, man. she was like once a month, one newsletter a month. And I said, well, nobody knows who you are. You have to email at least three or four times a week. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to get unsubscribes or I don't want to spam people. So I'm going to throw that question to you because I know you have some pretty strong opinions. Do unsubscribes matter? I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people one of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. I'm going to throw that question to you because I know you have some pretty strong opinions. Do unsubscribes matter? You know, I, first of all, I, I, I got to go back to the whole life coach thing because... <laughs> There is, there is no, how to put this delicately. I don't think there's a way to put this delicately. If there's one market that's both full of absolute horseshit, <laughs> but also like the easiest people in the world to sell to, it's like the life coach. Cause all they do is teach other life coaches how to be life coaches on Facebook. And so <laughs> you're kind of not dealing with marketers, you know, you're dealing with a, a biz op type mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And so with, with that, no amount of email is probably going to work for them because they're not, they're treating it like astrology or something. They're not treating it like a business. So I say this because my woman, Stefania, spent a lot of time in that niche. And to this day, she shows me examples of what goes on there. And they're all playing to not lose instead of playing to win, except the, you know, the top level ones who are making all the money. It's almost like a weird MLM, right? So. My, my, my whole point my whole point isn't to totally make fun of the, the life coach industry, although I do it every opportunity. It's just to say that it, what it comes down to is you can never mail too much if people want to hear from you. But if nobody wants to hear from you because you're boring, then even one email a year is too much, right? So that's, to me, is, is the whole game, is being someone people want to hear from. 
that's, I mean, you could not have stated that better. I agree. I mean, my advice to her was email more often, tell stories, start like making, become a welcome guest. If you're giving value, people will love to open them. I said, do you, what, what emails do you open? We, we went through a whole thing with her. Um, I came from Dan Kennedy. So I was yeah. like, what's your outcome? What are you getting people? And like, now she actually has a successful business. We only dated, we dated for three months um, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But now she has a successful business where she actually like gets people a very specific outcome. Um, well, you're, you're the story guy. Like she was with the story guy. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm yeah. just saying that's an opportunity that, that a lot of people aren't going to have. Right. So anyway, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you know, an asset's an asset. If you know someone who knows something about what you're doing, listen to them because they probably can help you. Exactly. So there you go. I can just drop the mic right here and just hang up. I think everyone just got their money's worth. <laughs> I, I think so too. Um, <laughs> the So the specific question I have for you that you just led into is how do you become somebody? Because I read, I, the first book I read of yours was the, the Supervillains book. And I, I was reading it on a plane. I downloaded it sitting in uh, in the airport, like waiting to get on. I was like, you know what? I've heard of this guy. I've read some of his emails. I think it was on your list at that point. I said, I'll check out this book. And I started reading it and I was like, he's got some really good points, but part of me fought it, uh, if I'm really honest. Cause I was yeah. like, you know, you don't, you don't want to be somebody that takes too strong of a stand on something. At least that was what was rolling in my head. But then I'm what I came to realize reading it on the plane, fighting with it was we all have stances that we can take that feel great to us and will repel the people we don't want to deal with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to me, I'm a big proponent of, and I don't know who first coined this, so I'm not pretending to be the one to have coined this term, but I love it. Repulsion marketing is far, you know, okay, we're talking life coaches, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to keep making fun of life coaches every time. They're all into attraction, you know, attracting, manifesting, and all that, right? Mm -hmm. No. I'm into repelling, repulsion. I want to repel all the people I don't want and the people left over tend to be very strong candidates for whatever I do have to offer. I know it's, a, it's almost kind of backwards. And I think, I, well, I'm talking about the, the first villains book at least talks about this idea of neediness, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to attract something is, in my way of thinking, inherently needy because you now are trying to bring something to you. When the reality is, law of the jungle states, we, we run from the things that are trying to pursue us. And we run toward those things that are trying to get away from us. So in my way of thinking, law of the jungle, because I'm a caveman at heart, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to run away from everything. I want to run away from, I want them to chase me. And those who don't chase me probably shouldn't be buying anything from me. They, there's probably much better people to be buying from. So I take it down to nature. I really do. Cause I think that everything at the end of the day can be just, it's just, I think it's a lot more simple than what we tend to, and all of us markers fall into this trap where we overcomplicate things. But if you just keep law of the jungle in mind and understand that we pursue that which retreats and whatever we do pursue retreats from us, it changes the whole game. I think that is true. I mean, I think it's, it's almost a version of takeaway marketing. It's the same, same mindset of, I don't need any of you. If you want to work with me, you play by my rules and this is what I do. If not, I don't care. Right. And I think that attitude to be very meta is attractive. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man, there is something to that because I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of the late Jim camp who was anyone who doesn't know who he was. He was, probably the best negotiation guy who ever lived, in my opinion. He wouldn't have said that, but he just, the guy was a master. He was called the most feared negotiator because nobody, you know, everyone knew they're going to lose to him. <laughs> you know, even like the top negotiators, like Intel and all that, like he just would blow right through him. He always had multiple billion dollar negotiations going at any one time. And he was a huge, like, this is his whole thing. First of all, I was getting rid of all neediness because that just repels everything and kills persuasion dead in its tracks and all that. But I mean, it's like the opposite of attracting something is being needy. But even more important than that is he was a big proponent of what he called the negative strip line. Now, most people in marketing have heard of this idea of, of damaging admissions, right? Where oh, I have this flaw. Let me just tell you about the flaw first, right? 
And that's good. You know, I mean, the late David Ogilvy was a big fan of that. And they built his whole, not built around it, but it was a big part of the Ogilvy agency advertising. There's a problem, admit it. It actually makes you more believable, more trusted, and it's just good advertising. It's just honest. But negative strip lining takes that to a whole new level. When it's done, and I have to, I have to preface it, when it's done out of honesty, because people will abuse this and they'll wonder why it doesn't work. And all it means is you are more negative and more skeptical than the prospect you're talking to. So I, we're talking about dating life coaches, right? So I'm, I'm going to give you, I don't know, I'm going to keep coming back to life coach. Sure. So, so finally, it wasn't a life coach, but she, she was in that world. So she might as well have been a life coach when I met her. We're now married with a kid and everything. So just so people understand where this is going. This is this is field research. This is reality. Okay. When I first met her, which was in my old Facebook group, Bembo's Lair, which was a very kind of cult-like place, admittedly, but not in a bad way. But it it was kind of weird. It was a very interesting place to be. So she lived all the way on the other side of the country. She was in New, New Jersey. I, I'm in the Oregon coast over here. And I remember we started talking and, you know, and just whatever, became friends and all that. And she wanted to come visit me. And I tried so hard to talk her out of coming to visit me. Not because I didn't want her to come. Don't understand. I did want her to visit. I sure as hell didn't want to go there. I hate the cities and all that. But I went out of my way to tell her how all the crap. There's nothing to do. You know, she's, used, she's a big city girl. You know, she's used to clubs and places to go and brunch <laughs> you know there's something to do on every street corner and all you know there's, there's there's never anything there's always something to do ubering around i'm like there's nothing to do I, here's my life i'm like here's isn't it there's nothing to do here there's nowhere to go the only thing i here's my life i sit around with my dog reading and writing i mean this is boring you have to understand this is going to be a very boring you're going to be bored all right I, and so i would do that it wasn't a trick it wasn't Oh, I'm trying to, you know, play games. I was being completely blunt and honest to the point where I was far more skeptic, negative than, than she could have been about the idea of coming to visit me. And that, in that case, because I was a good, let's say she was a good prospect for me. You know, I, I don't know how else to put it. Actually made her want to visit me more. And, you know, she, now she wouldn't have it any other way. She, she's completely changed as a person because of, I, I believe you can trace it all the way back to me just being blatantly honest to the point where I'm more negative than her. I was negative strip line. Now, it wasn't a tactic. It wasn't a trick. I wasn't trying to, you know, this is what I'm saying. People got to be careful. You can't, even Jim Camp would warn about this. He'd say, look, you can't be negative strip lining everybody. I mean, you, it, it, they're going to think you're crazy. But you do it when you're dealing with a skeptical prospect or if you want to bring somebody in the right way to whatever you're selling, which is very important in my opinion. So they come in with the right attitude. And if you want to cut your refunds down, if you offer refunds or even eliminate them, this is how you do it. You become more negative than them. And then it just, it, there's, it brings out honesty, like nothing else I've ever seen. I'll tell you another story. This is from the dating. This, I love the dating stories because they're actually very applicable to everything marketing. I have this customer. I'm not going to name him for obvious reasons. It'll be obvious in a second. But he came to me a couple of years ago and he's like, you know, then uh, this guy's like in his twenties, right? Uh, girls like him, good looking guy and all that. But he, he met this girl that he just, he goes, man, I'm really needy around her. I find myself checking the phone all the time. You know, I, I know she thinks I'm, you know, she's better than me now. You know, basically he put her on a pedestal. So now he's like, yeah, I just feel this neediness. I can't get rid of it. How do I do this? He goes, I feel like I'm losing my opportunity here. I don't think she likes me as much. You know, she doesn't, you know, basically he just, she had him. And I say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to her because one of the things she was doing is she talked about her ex-boyfriend a lot, which always made him insecure, obviously. I said, you know what you tell her? You say, you know what? I like you, but the, here's the reality. I don't know if I, I can't date you anymore. Because this, I, I want you to try to get back with your ex. I really think you two need to get, give it another try. Don't just forget about me. I, I'm okay with this. I'm just going to be your friend. All right. I will help you get back with your accent. So you can at least, you need to get back with this guy. You, you, you just have to, because you, you just sound like you really love him still. So basically, he told him to tell her that. And he did. And he said, she changed like completely around. Suddenly she's texting him all the time. Suddenly she's, she's being needy toward him because he didn't need her anymore. He, 
he left and she was pursuing him. But it gets even better than that. Because I told you how negative strip line brings out honesty. Well, he found all kinds of horrible stuff about her because suddenly she's opening up to him about some crazy deviant shit she's up to. I don't know, man, like sleeping with her boss, you know, and all this weird stuff and just doing some weird like, stuff. And he's like, I don't know if I like her anymore. Like, I found out too much about her. And I'm telling you, that's a thing. But honesty brings, honesty brings all the cars to the table. And I'm telling you, I, I, I did it to Stefania. I would constantly, I would test her all the time for three or four years. And not in a manipulative way, but I'm trying to get the truth out of people. And the only way to do that is to be blatantly honest and to put all the cards and to try to get them to tell you no, which is what the negative strip line does. So hopefully I'm not taking this too far in one direction, but I find all this, all this is incredibly valuable for when you're trying to sell as well, email or otherwise. Well, that's, I mean, you did just, you painted a lot, you put a lot of light on the damaging emission, but it does go further than that. And it's not you, it's not like I'm a hot mess and I have all these problems, right? It's saying like, this is the truth about me. This is how I deal with people. And I think two things happen. Like I'm going to talk about in the dating context and in the marketing, what I hear you saying, when you do that, I think people like you're not, there's no room for argument or negotiation, or it's not, I hope you like this, or I'm trying to do something that suits you. It's this is who I am. And I'm just being really honest because I want to be forward. And like that sets the tone of, I want you to be forward as well, which brings the honesty to the table. In a marketing context, I feel like it it deflates any of the skepticism that is in their head because you just it goes beyond just one damaging admission. It's saying this is everything, and if I'm telling you all this, like there's nothing else behind the scenes. Um, I would love if you could give. I mean, just from your your emails player page, like there's I wouldn't call it it's not damaging admission, but you talk about price right up front. This is not yeah. cheap. This is expensive. This is what you're going to get. There are no refunds. Um, I, I actually wanted to ask you about the refund thing, but I'll let you, I want to see if you can give me a marketing piece that plays to this as well, just for the listeners, because a lot of them are, I know the question in their head right now is what can I use in my marketing from this? Yeah. You know, this is, this is, this is all goes back again to what I learned just studying the late, great Jim Camp. It's negotiating an agenda. So you know how people, for example, when they're, this is especially rampant when people are trying to get clients of some kind. They start, or it doesn't have to be clients. You could be selling anything one-on-one, -on -one especially. Mm -hmm. You're talking and they say, well, hold on, just tell me how much it is, right? <laughs> A lot of context. You know, wait, just, just tell me what you, how much it is. Well, is this going to cost me a lot, right? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, he would, he would tell you to say, look, hold on a second. Let me just be very upfront with you right now before I tell you anything else. I'm expensive. I could be very expensive depending on what you need and the challenges you have. And there's a good chance I may not even be the person that's right to help you. And not even just because of budget, but I just may not have the skills or ability to help you. So in order to find out, Let's talk more about the problem you're having and see if I can even help. And at the end, you know, just if, if whatever price I base it, how I can help you. If it's too high, just that's okay. Just tell me no. It's per, I want you to tell me no. I would rather you tell me I'm not going to chase you around. So it's going to be a yes or a no. Are you okay with that? Who's going to say no to that, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, you're just being honest. So in a sales order, I do the same thing. I, I, tend, I don't always do it. I just... Do it depending on the situation, what I'm selling and all that. Like not every sales letter is going to do that, but I will say, look, I just, before you read any further, just realize this is not for, for example, this isn't for newbies. Uh, I have one sales letter selling my El Bembo press book, which is my most expensive book. It's like a thousand and one dollars. Anybody who reads that sales letter, I'm trying to get you to tell me no from the debt copy underneath the headline. I'm literally being honest with you. I'm saying, look, this is my publishing model. I probably wouldn't even do it myself if I had to do it over again. That's how hard this is. And, and I'm being very honest. And that's the whole thing. You, have to, you can't exaggerate stuff. It has to be honest. And I put all that right up front. And anybody who reads that is now in a proper frame of mind when they read the rest of the ad. They know I'm not trying to bullcrap them. They know that I'm being straight with them. 
And then, you know, and this is why you can't treat it like a, a trick or a tactic because it's not, it's about being honest. Now there's, there's nuance and there's context to this and that's where experience comes in. There's really no way to explain it other than just people have to understand selling. They have to understand how all this works and marketing, but that's the, that's what's behind it is honesty. And me would, I would much rather someone not buy my stuff if they're not going to come in with the right attitude. If it's just going to sit there and be a doorstop, who, I mean, yeah, okay. It's nice to get that one time sale, but I'm not building a customer who makes a customer buying for me. I'm building a buyer. Buyers are fine. And I know that the dictionary definition of buyer and customer is basically the same thing, but I, I, I separate them. I think a customer is like what Ken McCarthy says. It's someone who makes a customer buying for me. If I bring them in right, and they're going to use the product. If they use the product and apply it, they're most likely going to benefit from it. If they benefit, now they become an advocate for me and they help sell. They spread the word about me. They tell people about me. They, they can't help it. Like whatever you're selling, if it, help, if it works, and in this day and age of flakiness, when something works, it's like a big deal now, especially. Um, that's the best. I mean, that's the best thing that can happen. Is a, there's a guy, do you know Sean D'Souza? I do not. Okay, well, he, you would love this guy. Um, he, he's the only one I know who teaches, has a methodology for consumption. So we all know about attraction and conversion. Mm-hmm. But he was the first one I've ever met. And to this day, I, other than me regurgitating what I hear from him, admittedly, he's the only one I know who teaches consumption. He goes, we all know attraction and, and conversion. But nobody really talks about consumption, how to get them to use it and bring them in the right way so they're likely to use it. And I think that is a whole other thing in and of itself that, I, that it's missing from most marketing is they don't think about the consumption. When I write an email or a sales letter or both, mm-hmm. whenever I'm doing any kind of selling of any kind, I'm actually selling in a way where I want them to use it. I, there are so many people who would just love it. People buy an ebook, leave it on their hard drive, never look at it again and don't do a refund, right? That's their whole goal. That's not my goal at all. I want them using it. I expect them to use it. That's the whole point. I'd rather them not buy if they're not going to use it. Now, this is my intention when I'm writing. So it comes out in every word. I couldn't trick people with this if I wanted to, because it's actually what I really want from my gut, what I want to happen. And it'll show up in every sentence and it's all between the lines. And that's why a lot of this stuff, it can't really be taught in a checklist or anything. It's just experience and knowledge and um, just how you approach things. So I want to dive into that because I think that is super interesting. Even before you brought up the, like, how do you get people? How, because you're, you hit it right on the head, right? I think there are, there's a good 20% of us who are very, like, we want people to consume our stuff. We want people to get results because then they ascend our value ladder, right? Yeah. But how do you, so besides like what we just talked about with like the damaging emissions, setting price up. I definitely want to talk to you about refunds because you don't offer refunds or guarantee on anything you sell. Is that part of this? Well, I don't think anything that's high quality and high ticket should have a, that's advertised honestly. I don't, I think all you're going to do is get people to sell themselves against whatever it is you're selling. Mm -hmm. And it's an insidious thing. It's not malicious. Usually I don't think not everybody who refunds has gone in consciously thinking I'm going to refund, but I think they knew it on some level. In fact, I've been at this 20 years now. I have never seen a case and I've never met anyone who's been doing a lot of selling online, especially, but any kind of direct response. Every time someone would ask, do you have a refund guarantee? That person is telling you they intend to refund. They, they, They might as well have a sign saying I'm going to refund. (laughs) <laughs> that's how I'm, there may be one or two exceptions somewhere out there, but I just, I don't, I'm a burn the boats kind of guy, right? Like that story about Cortez, he brings all the people over to South America and burns the boats and well, I guess you better conquer or we're going to die here. You know, and you don't have a choice. I like that sink or swim. That's what gets people consuming. Right. So it goes back to how the best, how can I best help someone by giving them an escape route? No, I want them to, they come in, the boats are burned, but the difference is I'm letting them know the boats will be burned before they even buy it. So they, it's not like they're a victim and it's a, it's a very powerful thing. Plus I just, you know, I got to tell you, it just, it, it, it really makes the quality of customers I get much higher than it used to be. So 
it's just I'm a four quarters versus hundred pennies kind of guy. I'd rather have four high quality customers who will buy other stuff than a hundred sticky pennies, you know, who I'll never hear from again, who really just aren't even serious about whatever problem it is they want solved in the first place. That's, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that is, I think that is a key to liking the business that you're in, right? You might be able to get a whole bunch of customers that pay you some money. You might be able to to make good money at that, but you're not going to have happy customers. You're not going to have, I don't think you're going to have a filling business. Um, yeah. I want to circle back though. I want to, I want to dive into a little bit more of what you, cause when you're going through the copywriting process, whether it's email or a book or a sales letter, what are some of the other things that you really put conscious thought into to get them to consume after they've bought? This is a concept that I have, to your point, I've heard very, very little about. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it helps to have really good, if it's a sales letter or something, to be really good at writing bullet points that cause a lot of intrigue and curiosity. And if it's a book, it's easier to do this than if it's digital. It can be done digitally, I'm about to say, but it looks awkward. <laughs> and that is, I tell them what page they can find it on. So they they might have 10 reasons they bought the book and now they can go right to that place and can, now they'll consume it out of context, of course. But that's okay because they'll work their way back toward the beginning uh, eventually. And that's, that's just the, you know, that's just what happens. So it helps to understand how to build curiosity. Curiosity is by far the most powerful thing you can put in your advertising. It, it trumps everything. It really does. People will buy very expensive offers because of a bullet point buried on page 12 of a 20 page sales letter. Here's a real life story about that from the late great Gary Halbert. He, Talk, he talked about this in one of his newsletters. So Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 80s, before it became this, whatever the hell it is now, I don't know what it is anymore. But back when it was owned by Chase Ravel, who was a director, is a direct response guy to my knowledge. They were having some trouble apparently. Now I may be getting this story a little bit mixed up, but the basics here. They're having some trouble selling some kind of, uh, I don't know if it was a biz op thing or something. I don't know. Something was going on. And they brought Gary in. I don't know if he rewrote the ad or just wrote a new one from scratch or whatever, but he had this one bullet point that said something like fake cocaine. <laughs> this is the 80s, remember? Fake cocaine. It fools everyone or something. I don't remember what it was. And once that ad ran, like just the phones ran, rang off the hook and apparently they were able to trace it to that bullet point. So if anyone wants to know the power of a bullet point, I mean, that does it. I'm not saying you got to write fake cocaine or anything, but I'm just saying like, it's a thing. Uh, it really is. The bullets are everything and it'll get people consuming, but you got to have a little bit of uh, you got to give more than just curiosity. I'm consuming, of course, but that's what intrigues them. And so I want to give directions on where to find whatever it is that turned them on in the first place. And I know because I'm selling to people who have been curated for quality that they'll, they'll work their way to the front of the book. You know, it, it'll satiate that one thing. But my books and products are created in a way where you kind of have to go through the whole thing to get the whole picture. Because I don't teach tactics. I teach systematic ways of doing things, whatever the product is, which means you can't just take one thing in a vacuum and, oh, that's all I needed. It, it just doesn't work that way. So I think all these things work together to help consumption quite a bit. I bullets are huge. I want to touch on the systematic versus the tactics because everybody, everybody wants to buy tactics. Like, I mean, it, when I sell from stage, I have people that come up to me and they're like, Oh my goodness, I need this tactic. I need this tactic. Give me this. And I say the same thing. I'm like, it's not, if you just want a tactic, that's going to take you 30 minutes to implement, you're never going to have a successful business. You need to have the system. Um, what are, so walk me through, cause you have, you have a product catalog that I like, I own pieces of it. I think there are some really strong pieces in there. And I actually wanted to ask you about newsletters specifically. We'll come back to that in a second. Cause I think it's, it's a really, it's something unique that you do that very few people do well um, or do it all. But talk to me about the, like, if you had, if you had somebody out there that came to you and said, Ben, teach me how to build a business using email, where would you point them to? What, what would you have them consume of yours and what's the path that it would take them on? 
Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the stories so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Like if you had if you had somebody out there that came to you and said, Ben, teach me how to build a business using email, where would you point them to? What, what would you have them consume of yours and what's the path that it would take them on? You know, I don't, here's the thing. I sell most, pretty much everything I sell, and there will be one exception I'll talk about in a second, but I don't really sell to the beginner, the newbie who doesn't. In fact, I actively try to turn them away because I'm not really the one to learn from, from starting from scratch because there's so many options out there. I'm more of a, okay, you already know what you're doing. You already have a list. Here's how to use whatever it is I'm teaching to make, put another zero on your profits, right? Mm -hmm. That said, if, if someone's real insistent, I'll say, well, check out my 10 minute workday program, which I don't personally, I sell it in the sense that I get paid on each sale, but awai.com, they sell it. Like it's, it's in their catalog and all that, because that is pretty much what I do to start from scratch. But even then, I just, someone, they're going to have to have a little bit of at least some basic knowledge of things because there's so many moving parts and there's so many things you can only learn by making mistakes and by actually doing things wrong. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think someone in that situation would probably be better out hiring a coach of some kind to walk them through stuff, but I'm dubious of coaches too. So Fair enough. I, I did it the hard way, man. I, I started, I just figured it out. And to me, it's like, if I can do it, I, I don't, I'm not like some natural Mensa level genius or something. And if I can do it, I think anyone else can. Well, so you just, you teed up the next question perfectly. And that was going to be, how did you learn to write great bullets? And what were some of like, what was your path? Because I, I know you came up the hard way. I know you came up by doing it. So many people ask me like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, you just do it. Right. The yeah. You just start. Speech. Well, you know, the bullets thing is pretty simple. I, simply followed what Gary Halbert said to do, which was find really good sales letters that are bullet heavy and find really good high selling magazines that have really good little bullet like headlines on the covers and copy them out by hand, just mechanically, you know, and, and I did that for a long time until it just became second nature for me. And I started even creating my own little templates because I'd start seeing patterns Mm -hmm. amongst a lot of different bullets and I just started creating my own templates and all that and there's nothing I did that anyone else can do I used to have this giant I don't know it was really it was probably like two feet tall of three by five cards where I did this because this mm -hmm. Gary Halbert said to do I just when I pick a teacher I just slavishly do what they tell me to do <laughs> you know I don't like fight it I don't get creative if he says write out 500 bullets and then when you're done with that write another five I just do it and I found that tremendously helpful. The key is finding both, you, know, you have to know, you have to be able to tell the difference between a good sales letter and a bad one. And I would, you know, there's some, Gary Halbert's a good one. And this stuff's all over the internet. Gary Bensavanga's bullets are great. David Deutsch's bullets are great. Any of these A-list guys, Paris Lompropolis, mm -hmm. um, Carlene Anglade Coles does a really good one. The late Clayton Makepeace did great bullets. Uh, Kim... Krause Schwalm, she does really, really good bullets. Any of these A-list copywriters, and I hate to say that term because if someone doesn't really know what that means, they may run into someone on Facebook who claims to be an A-list copywriter, but they're really not. <laughs> like, it used to mean something. It used to be like a prestigious thing, but now suddenly every life coach out there's an A-list copywriter. So I don't know. But <laughs> these, are, these are the ones. You want to find people who cut their teeth in direct mail where they're writing these magalogs and all this, even to this day, those are the ones, I mean, they're so much better than I'll ever be. I'm the first to admit it because I don't have the discipline they have. I don't, I don't have, I just don't have the patience. Um, I'm way more crude, but every word in direct mail has to count because you can't just casually test something like we can online. 
not very sloppy with my sales letters, actually. You can't be in direct mail. Every line, every letter, every jot and tittle has to earn its place. So the late Scott Haynes is another, he was really good at, at bullets. John Carlton, I can't forget him. Any of his ads really good for bullets. And you just, you get their ads and you just find one or two of these copywriters or just one. For me, it was Gary Halbert for the most part, mm-hmm. who you just like reading their stuff. You're like, well, I just, I would read these sales letters for just enjoyment. I mean, there's a reason Gary Bensavenga, who's considered the world's greatest living copywriter, even though he's been retired for about tw- almost 20 years now, he was the best of the best. And sometimes he would write, <laughs> he would write these magalogs and bookalogs, which are just basically sales pitches that kind of run the format of a book or a magazine. Um, sometimes the magalog or, or bookalog would be almost as many pages as the book being sold. And it was almost all bullets just intriguing bullets to get you. It's so funny because back in the nineties, I was subscribed to like men's health and men's fitness magazines. So I was on all these lists and I didn't, I didn't know anything about advertising at the time. And I remember getting these little booklets that were selling me a book, but they were so well done. I was so intrigued that I kept them all these years. And when I discovered who Gary Bensavenga was, and I went through his big $5,000 course back in 2008, and he used those exact two ones that I kept all those years as examples. I said, holy crap, <laughs> you know, I, kept this, I kept these things for over a decade just because they were too valuable to throw away. Because that's he was a master just at combining promotion with, with content. So you are being sold, but you're also kind of getting a little, you're also getting enough value where it's like, I can't throw this away. And that's why he was the best. But it's so interesting that he, had, that I saw those and, and then he became a customer of mine a few years after that. And I said, Gary, um, I know this is a very fanboyish thing for me to ask, but if I send you these two book logs, will you sign them for me and send them back? And uh, he graciously did. Nice. <laughs> Highlight of my career. Huh? So that's bullet points. Well, you're so for anyone listening, you are the third person I've had on this month that talked about hand copying sales letters and bullets. I myself, uh, the first seminar that I went to in direct marketing, I didn't know what it was, right? Um, I bought one of Dan Kennedy's like workshop things. I showed up, we had the first day, you're going to sit down, you're going to copy this till lunch, then we're going to go to lunch, you're going to talk about it, then we're going to come back and we're going to copy another one. And my reaction was, why did I spend 3k to get a plane, get a hotel room to come here and do this? And I, anyone listening, I swear that that chain, that event, even though I hated it for that day, changed the way that I thought about marketing instantly. And when I left, I, I was no longer trying to sell the thing that I did. Instead, I was able to market myself um, is a super powerful thing. And you can go online and find any sales letter that Gary Halbert wrote, and you're going to get a lot of bullets. Just like that's a great place to start, but it's all about having discipline. Um, so that, that is a great, great story. Well, you um, talk about you talk about Dan Kennedy mm-hmm. and you're being a Dan Kennedy guy and all that. I mean. Yeah. To me, he is the highest level at, and this, I've never met the guy, but I'm telling you, like he, to me, is the highest level of combining content with promotion. Like, there's just nobody better than him at that. It, he may not be the best actual copywriter per se, and it's something I've heard him admit. It, I, there's even a, a newsletter that Gary Halbert wrote that said, you know, Dan Kenny's not a world-class copywriter, but he makes a hundred thousand times more than I'll ever make because he knows how to market and run a business better. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, this Dan, I can't, there's nothing negative thing I can say about Dan Kenny's stuff because even his books, his books you can get on Amazon for 10 bucks or whatever are masterpieces in combining. He's selling you throughout these books. You just don't realize it. And you find yourself buying something. Here's a, here's a real story. I wrote an email about this last either earlier this month or last month. I can't remember. But I went on this, uh, I, I have this huge pile of old no BS letters from the early 2000s uh-huh. when I first got into business. And this is before he sold to Glazer and then it got sold to God knows who and who knows what the hell happened, right? It just turned into kind of a parody of itself. It's like a, but those old ones that he was directly writing and it was his thing are just some of the best out there. So once a year, I go through these things. I get them out, I pull them out of the cabinet. I just did this this year. So 
I went through it and I went through a couple of them from 2003, 2002 and 2003. And I found myself buying stuff he was selling then <laughs> just recently. So I spent like $3,000 at no B, whatever the site is, no BS inner circle, wherever it is. Yeah. That he sold me on this stuff in his content that I bought in 2003 and four, almost 20 years ago. That is the power of understanding these principles. They, they, you, people buy when they're ready. And I, when, when you understand that you don't write copy that's pushy and needy and all that, because you realize that they, someone who doesn't buy, doesn't mean they're not ever going to buy. They're just not buying right now. That's the power of daily emails and just emailing them forever. People will buy when they're ready. That's why somebody will actually buy a, flat screen TV at Walmart the week before Black Friday sale because they want it now. And they don't complain, oh, I could have had it cheaper. They just, they wanted it. So there's so much to that, but just, <laughs> there's there's this book Dan Kennedy wrote called No BS Time Management, which I don't really like the updated one he did in 2004, but the version before that, it's only 108 pages, I think. You can mm -hmm. read it in one day. I like it better because it's just thinner and I can get through it. There's not as many examples. I just, it's just, to me, it's just a very tight thing. And there's this guy named Phil Alexander, who's like a direct marketing historian. The guy, I, I, if you ever have a chance to meet or talk to him, he just, you know, he'll talk your ear off about all this stuff. He's just like, he'll dig stuff up, you know, from 40 years ago. He'll find it. Well, anyway, I used to be in, in this Yahoo group, this kind of secret Yahoo group back when Yahoo was really doing groups. This is pre, this is the year 2002 or three, I think. I just stumbled into it. I don't think I was supposed to find it necessarily. You had all these people in there like Perry Marshall and John Carlton, Paul Hartooni and all these yeah. like masters, right? And there's, it didn't cost anything. I was just in there like, wow, I'm just going to sit here and shut up and like absorb. I'm printing out things and I, to this day that I still have stuff. Well, anyway, Phil Alexander, I bring him up because he went through this exact version of No BS Newsletter. And he pulled out every instance where Dan Kennedy was selling something. And there was over a hundred thing instances where he was selling you either subtly or boldly. And it just doesn't get higher level than Dan Kennedy when it comes to combining promotion with content. I guess that's what I could have just said, but it's more fun to go through the whole thing. That, no, that's totally, I mean, the, the oh, man, like that old school stuff, like I came back after that event and I think it was like six months later, I, I went on eBay and I found a pile of Dan Kennedy sales letters, right? Because I was like, I don't want to spend 300 bucks on the newsletter right now. I've got enough stuff going on. So I just went and bought old ones and started going through them. So this actually segues into your newsletter because you're one of like you and Mark Mawinney are the only people I know who actually do a, a monthly sales letter that goes out. It's not a sales letter. It's a newsletter. Um, I would love to hear how you got started with that and like what, what comes out of that for you? Because you send it out religiously every month. It's got great content in it. Where did that start for you? And like, I'm like, I've thought about putting one out. I just don't know like if people would buy it and like, I don't want to write a bunch of crap for myself, but then I'm like, well, I'm sure I'd learn just by writing it. Cause I learned through process. Um, but I would love to hear where that started for you and kind of walk us through that. We're going to link this down below. Um, it's $101 and it is money very, very well spent. Um, I'll let you comment from there. Well, it's interesting because the thing about print newsletters is there, this is something, this is goes back to when I talk about my Albemo Press book. And I'm real honest about, I would, don't know if I would do this over again because it's hard work, right? Print newsletter is not for people who don't, love and embrace deadlines for one thing <laughs> so that weeds out most people probably shouldn't be doing one um that said i just i'm more of a writer than i am a video or audio guy i wish i was a video person quite frankly i wish i loved video i worked in video as a job before i got into business so i, I should like video i majored in radio tv i should love video i i don't hate it i just don't like it I don't do my best teaching and selling and communicating on video. If I did, I'd be doing some kind of video continuity and saving myself a hell of a lot of time every month or even better audio. I can, I mean, audio is, if I had to choose from video and audio, I'd pick audio because I can just talk. And sometimes I do that. I'll create content when I'm walk, taking a walk on the beach or something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've written whole issues of email players just by 
I got inspired from walking. I just start recording and I just get it transcribed and then I smooth it out and it becomes the bulk of a newsletter issue. That's not usually how it works, but the thing with that, that's the thing with print newsletters. It's you got to like writing. And if you don't, you're just going to hate the pro I know people who do a couple people who do newsletters who actually hate it. And I'm always telling them like, why don't you like these doing, making these videos? You're really good. Why are you slaving over this? <laughs> like just because it, it well, better see what you're doing. And it just, yeah, but it's hard. It's like, why would you make life hard on yourself? You can make it easier. For me, it's easier to write than it is to make and edit videos and all that. So I think it's a preference, right? Like if, if you're just, the fact that you're even on the fence about it means you probably shouldn't do one. You should probably focus on some kind of audio-based things. You're definitely good at that if you're podcasting and all that. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But for me, oh man, I wish that, I'll tell you what, Back in 2016, I had this um, podcast that ran like 130 some episodes or something called The Antipreneur Show. It was on iTunes and all that. And I realized I'm just giving way too much valuable stuff. Away. I need to start charging for this. So I got together with my producer, Jonathan Rivera, who's producing my podcast and uh, one of my best customers. And her name's Misty. And I said, look, let's do this. Let's turn my pot. Cause she was, I, I tapped her as the uh, announcer. So I said, you, you know, she, I, I, I held auditions and she was the one I picked and she was great at it. And I said, you know, I had her writing some of the emails to the podcast list. She did really a job. So I'm like, let's do this. Let's turn this into a paid podcast, like a membership site. And it, you know, back then, this is before I was introduced to the concept of mobile apps. <laughs> so we're using WordPress and all this membership site mm -hmm. software, which, and it was just, it was so frustrating dealing with it. And I, we had a team and everything that was supposed to handle all the technical stuff that I killed off, even though it was the most profitable launch I'd ever done at that time. I killed it off before I even sent out the emails that weekend because it was so technologically frustrating because people kept personally emailing me for, for my uh, passwords or for their passwords and all, you know how it goes. It's like, oh yeah. God, really? And I'm thinking we, it, there's literally a, a freaking email address that says email support if you have quite, but they email me because you hear from me every day. I'm like the best friend they never, that they never get to talk to, but they just feel so comfortable replying right. <laughs> daily email, you know, and that's okay. That's, I mean, I wasn't mad at them, but I was like, man, if this is this bad at a thousand members, which is kind of a lot of people I've learned to put into a, something like that in so short of a period of time. I didn't know that at the time, but I'm like, if this is bad at a thousand, what's it going to be like when we get to 10,000 members? I, I forget this. I'm done. I'm going back to my print newsletter, which is very simple. Nowadays though, I don't know. I think I would probably use mobile app technology. Now I full disclosure, I sell mobile app technology. So but I'm, I'm not trying to sell anyone on that, but we, we actually employed the probably number one guy at, who teaches wish list, or at least one of them, guy who's taught like 26,000 people on how to use wish list. And he worked with us for a little bit in the mobile app thing. And he's like, you know, I don't think I, I think I just use mobile apps because it's so much simpler because you don't worry about this password stuff and all that. It's all seamless. There's no, there's really not a whole lot of problems. And so going back, if I'd known I could just use mobile apps, I would be doing that and probably just have a print newsletter as like a premium to do it and not lead with the print newsletter. But I don't know. I mean, I've been doing this one for so long that I've seen no reason to change it, but that's kind of the way I think. I think you got to do what you like doing because if you don't like doing it, your frustration is going to show in your content. If you do like what you're doing, it's also going to show in your content. Frustration kind of rolls downhill, right? So if you don't really enjoy deadlines and enjoy writing and like you have to do it, um, I don't know if a print newsletter is a thing. I used to have this, I used to, when I used to do client work, I was I, one of the clients was in the golf niche. And I remember the golf guru, so to speak, this guy had to write 2,000, 3,000 word blog posts every day. He had to, this, it was therapy for him. You couldn't get this guy not to write. Now that's a guy that should have a print newsletter because it would have been therapeutic. If you don't find writing therapeutic, I just, I gotta tell you, it's gonna be a hard, road because it's writing is not easy unless you like doing it. That's true. That is very true. I mean, I send 
I do a decent amount of email and I like writing the emails, but they're not, they don't come fast, right? Like they take me somewhere between 30 hour, 30 minutes and an hour to write an email. Um, it, it did get better as I kept doing it. I don't know if I could do a newsletter or not. I think I could, but it's, I'm just more worried about would people buy it? Um, which also tells me like, maybe I should wait a little bit, but we'll see. Well, you know, remember this, it's, the format really isn't that important. They're not buying the newsletter, they're buying you. So mm -hmm. you could, I mean, I could, to my hardcore customers who have been with me forever, if I just said, I'm done with this newsletter thing, I'm gonna do a video type thing, they would do it. I mean, they wouldn't be, they're not buying that. And the fact that anybody's even buying print books from me shows you that they're buying me and not, they would much rather have it. Now, everybody would love to have my books in audio audible version. <laughs> I don't do it. I don't know. There's something about making people kind of jump through a hoop to consume something that makes them take it more seriously too. So there's a lot, a lot of psychology to this. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. It's just what it's your life. It's your business. You have one life. You want to waste it doing something you don't really want to do. And you know, if you love doing it, do it. If you don't, there's probably a better way to go. That's the way I look at it. That's a very, very good advice. Um, ben, you have been a joy to have on the show. Like it has been awesome interviewing you. Um, you've dropped a ton of gold nuggets. I mean, you gave people like five different places that they can go to learn how to write bullets, learn how to do the damaging emission. Like you've given away so much value. Um, really quick, just because I like, I like your newsletter a lot. Um, where should people go to sign up for your newsletter? Tell us a little bit about what they can expect. I'll, I'll give the ball to you because you're going to do a better job describing it than I am. <laughs> well, the best thing to do is not to subscribe to it before you get on my email list anyway. I would recommend going to bensettle.com and opting in. And when you opt in, you'll not only get access to my mobile app, which has like 30 hours of content, including recorded stuff like what we're doing here. I put a lot of interviews in there and stuff. But you also get the first issue of email players that I wrote back in 2011. This is actually the 10th year anniversary of me publishing August of it. And you get that first issue as a PDF. It's a print newsletter, but you get the PDF just for opting out of that very first issue. There's 24 ways in there to make more sales of email. It's very easy to know if I'm the guy or not to buy from. But I would much rather people do that before just going to email players, the site, because that way you can come in and test me out. You know, this goes back to me trying to get you to tell me no right now. I'd much rather you come in that way and tell me, no, Ben, you're not for me. Then waste your time because I'm not for everybody. There's nobody that's perfect for everybody. And it could be I'm too obnoxious or whatever, or too offensive, or maybe I'm exactly who someone wants to learn from. I don't know. But the best way to do is get that free issue first. Be on my email list for a day or two and see if you like that. If you can't stand my emails, you probably won't want to buy anything. So I would say go to bensettle.com and get that free issue first. Awesome. Guys, all of these resources are listed in the show notes. Make sure you go get on Ben's list. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. You'll definitely learn something. Ben, thank you again for coming on. You've been an amazing guest. And until next time, everyone, take action, change lives, make money, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.